You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. James Reed and his wife, Jackie, have served as foreign missionaries in Uganda for several years and now home on furlough and awaiting further instruction from the Lord about the ministry which he has for them. James Reed and his wife, Jackie, have not always been married. Even when they were living together for a while, they were not married. They've not always been missionaries or even had their hearts turned to God. For there was a time when James Reed was a biker, a gangster, a thug, a boozer, a, a womanizer, and Jackie simply came along for the ride as his main squeeze. And James Reed would tell you quite honestly that the turning point in his life came when one evening, uh, drunk, almost to the gills, he stood in front of our church and one of our church members grabbed him by the arm and said, James, you know, Jesus will make all the difference in the world, and I want you to come in and hear my preacher preach about Jesus. And I can remember that night several years ago when James Reed made his way down the aisle, staggering a little bit, but with enough sense to know that he was turning his life over to Jesus. He would say to you, that decision made all the difference in my life. As I have heard him share his testimony since that time, I believe there is an earlier event in his life which also was significant. For James says that in his earlier years, when he was wilder than you could ever imagine, he went to a man's apartment to actually to make a drug connection. And he said, I knocked on the door of that apartment and instead of being greeted by the man who had some money or some drugs, he said, the door was yanked open and I found myself staring right at the barrel of a shotgun and before I could utter a word, he said, that man pulled the trigger and the buckshot from that gun ripped into my shoulder. In fact, even to this day, James has trouble moving that arm because it was so lacerated by that shot. He said, I had never been in church. I had never heard any preaching that I had ever paid any attention to other than people telling me to get my life right. He said, I didn't have a religious upbringing. In fact, my parents are not Christians. But he said, I do remember this. He said, where these words came from, I do not know. But as I was sinking to the ground, blood pouring out of my shoulder, through my shirt and my coat, all over the ground, as I was sinking down and subsequently passed out, he said, I remember saying these words, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, where I got those words, I do not know. Why they were on my heart and on the front of my mind at a moment of such trauma for me, he said, I do not know. But perhaps it was because he said, that's the only scripture I'd ever heard that I'd ever paid any attention to. And so falling to his knees, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I personally believe that God took James Reed seriously at that moment. 
and that God said, because of my sovereign grace, because of my mercy, and because I have seen you from eternity past and will see you out through eternity in the future, I will indeed make a commitment to be your shepherd. And one of the things I will do is bring you through to a moment when you trust in me and discover what it is to be genuinely born again, to have a radical change in your life. If you could see James and Jackie Reed now, you would know what it is to have the Lord as your shepherd because old things have indeed passed away and all things have become new to James and Jackie Reed. I suppose if I were to ask this morning for a most often quoted or a favorite verse of Scripture, I would hear that one verse, verse 1 of Psalm 23, more than any other. The Lord is my shepherd. Rarely does a funeral service go by, but that somebody doesn't stand and read the 23rd Psalm, the shepherd psalm. It is the favorite for so many people. The Lord is my shepherd. But I want to ask you a question this morning. There's no way that I can make you answer this question honestly, but I am praying that somehow the Spirit of God will speak to your heart, probe the very depths of your being, bring you to a point where you will realize that this is the most crucial question you will ever face. Here is the question. Is the Lord really your shepherd? You say, well, of course he is, Brother Tom. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. Well, the Lord is not everyone's shepherd. I'll show you why in just a little bit. But the question I want to ask is this. Is the Lord really your shepherd? I'm not saying, do you believe there is a God? I'm not asking you if God has done some wonderful things for you because uh, should God take his hand off of any man, lost or saved, that person would cease to exist. When it rains and waters the flowers, it may water the flowers of a person who's never trusted in God as well as a person who has. I'm not asking you, has God done some good things for you? I'm not asking, has the Lord seemingly answered your prayers on occasion? In a moment of crisis and you called out and said, Lord, if you'll just help me in this fashion, well, I'll give my life to you. And you, you could say, well, I know that uh, I must be God's because he answered that prayer. My friend, I'm asking this question this morning. Is the Lord really your shepherd? Is the Lord really your shepherd? Now, if he is, there's some wonderful promises which you can claim. We're going to be looking at those promises over the next 10 weeks in our morning services. And so you'll come every morning with your Bible. We'll open it to Psalm 23, and hopefully you will discover a new walk with God as we literally probe the depths of this 23rd Psalm. But you must settle this first issue or you cannot lay claim to any other verse in the 23rd Psalm. Is the Lord really your shepherd? Can you say that without any question? Can you say that with intensity, with fervor? Can you say that with no nagging or lingering doubt like a little cloud the size of a man's hand in your mind? Well, I think he is, or I hope he is, or I guess he is, or I sure want him to be. Can you say, the Lord indeed is my shepherd? Now, what is involved in making that statement? With your Bible open to the 23rd Psalm, I want you to look at it with me for just a few moments. And I want to make three suggestions to you. In fact, uh, 
I'm going to ask you as well to turn to the 10th chapter of John's Gospel and keep your finger in that passage or put your Bible marker there in John's Gospel chapter 10 because we're going to be looking at the role of a shepherd, but keep your Bible also open to the 23rd Psalm. Now, just a little setting for the 23rd Psalm. David wrote this probably as an older man. He is looking for a way to describe how God has provided for him. Now, remember, this is the anointed of God, King David. But he is also David the shepherd and David the psalmist. Looking for a way to describe how God had provided for him, David remembers how as a young boy, he was given the responsibility for tending sheep as virtually every young man and young lady would have been given in those days. And David could remember how heavy a responsibility that was and how those sheep absolutely depended upon him for life itself. Now, as we study this 23rd Psalm, we will come to an understanding of just how dependent sheep are upon a shepherd. But let me just say to you this morning, without the ministry of the shepherd in the life of a sheep, sheep will ultimately and invariably fall prey and die. As a matter of fact, sheep do not even have the capacity to properly feed themselves without the loving care of a shepherd. And so David recalls that, and he then likens God's care for him to the care that a shepherd would have for his sheep. And he makes this remarkable statement. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, first of all this morning, I want to suggest that you fully examine the shepherd's position. Let me say it again. You must fully examine the shepherd's position. If you want to plumb the depths of this psalm, if you want to understand all that God has in it for you, then you must fully examine the shepherd's position. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, that word there means he is my overseer. He is the one who leads me to pasture, causes me to graze, who has committed himself to protect me. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what are the characteristics of a shepherd? I'm not asking this morning what does a shepherd do? I'm asking this question. What kind of a person is a shepherd? Now, later on, we'll see what a shepherd does for his sheep. But I'm speaking here about the personality of a shepherd, the characteristics of a shepherd. And with your Bible turning now over to the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, I want you to look with me at three characteristics of the shepherd. And let me just tell you this. You cannot read these without falling in love with Jesus all over again. As a matter of fact, the more we study the characteristics of a shepherd, the more in love with Jesus you are bound to become. Let's look at the characteristics of the shepherd. Why does a shepherd have such a wonderful relationship with those sheep? Why is it that he enjoys such a position with those sheep? All right, it is because he can make three statements in regard to the sheep. Now remember, this is Jesus making these same three statements in regard to you. If you can say honestly, the Lord is genuinely, really my shepherd. First of all, he would say to you, I have made an investment in you. 
I have made an investment in you. What is that investment? It is the investment of himself, his life. He says, I have given myself totally for you. Now, the prophet Isaiah alluded to this when he said, you know, we're like sheep. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, but the Lord hath laid on himself, literally has brought to bear upon himself the iniquity of us all. And in that beautiful passage, he then talks about how the Lord, as the good shepherd, has laid down his life for his sheep. Now, in John's Gospel, chapter 10, we find Jesus' discourse about his being the good shepherd. And I said, Jesus has made an investment in, your, in you, an investment of his life. Let's see how Jesus puts it. For instance, in John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Notice verse 15, if you will. I lay down my life for my sheep. Now, he says a hireling doesn't do this. In fact, if you look at verses 12 and 13, he says a hireling, someone who just comes along and says, I want a job and I'll take care of those sheep for a while. He says a hireling doesn't do that. In fact, he says when the hireling sees the predators, when the hireling sees the wolf, the hireling flees because he is a hireling. He's just paid to do what he does, and he doesn't care for the sheep, and the sheep are scattered, and the sheep are killed. But he says, I'm not like that. I am a shepherd, and I have an investment in your life. That's one of the reasons I enjoy such a place of privilege for you, with you, he says, because I have made an investment. I have given you my very life. I remember talking to a man whose son was plagued with, with seizures. He had uh, severe medical problems. It was back in those days before they had discovered the kinds of medicine that they could give to, to calm these seizures. And he told me how it was when his son would have one of these seizures. He said, often, he said, the only thing I could do was simply to jam my fist in my son's mouth and uh, just to keep him from chewing his tongue or his lips. And he said, then we would make our way to the hospital. He said, often when we would get to the hospital, he said, we didn't know what the problems were. He said, they had not diagnosed it. They had some guesses. But he said, they didn't have any medicine for him in those days. He said, when we would get to the hospital, he said, my hand would be a bloodied pulp. And I asked him this question. I said, did, did, did it not bother you? Didn't it hurt you? He said, you know, the truth of the matter is, I never even thought about it until after I knew my son was all right. He said, that would be the first time I would ever look down at my hand when I knew my son was being well provided for. Then he said, I would look out at my hand and see that it had been gnawed, that it was lacerated. He said, on occasions, I would have to have stitches because he had chewed my hand literally into a bloodied pulp. Now, later on, as that son grew up and began to walk a way that was, that was so disappointing to his father, the father was able to commune with the son and somehow to bring him back to a position of fellowship in that family by reminding him that he had made a sizable investment. He said, son, I want you to look at this hand. You see all the scars in this hand? Do you know how those got there? Those got there because I gave myself so that you might not lose your life. Now, the Lord Jesus is saying, I 
possess a wonderful relationship with my sheep because, first of all, I have made an investment in their lives. And Jesus has made an investment in your life, dear friend. He has given himself for you. But notice he also says, because I've made an investment in your life, I have an interest in your life. I have an interest in your life. Some of you this morning are saying, the Lord doesn't care about me. He's got the whole universe to run. He's got all of creation. There are certainly people with bigger problems than mine. Occasionally somebody will say, Brother Tom, um, I didn't call you. I'll be upbraiding them because they've maybe been in the hospital or, or had some problem. And I've said, why haven't you called me? Why didn't you let me know? Oh, Brother Tom, I know the church our size that you have so many problems and I didn't want to trouble you with that. I said, oh, listen, you know, the, I, I, I love you and I want to know when you have a need. Well, there are people who feel that way about God. Well, dear God, you've got a universe to run. I mean, it's not some little old church down here on this dot called earth. You have a whole universe to run. You certainly are not interested in me. And Jesus says, I have made an investment in you and I am interested in you. In fact, he says, I have an interest in you regarding two things. First of all, I am interested in your salvation. I care whether you're saved. Look again in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 9. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Now, what is he saying when he says, I am the door? All right, here is the picture. Shepherds would protect their sheep at night by putting them generally in a cave if they could find one. They'd go out on the hillside, they would locate a cave. They would build a fire at the doorway of this cave. And then the shepherd would position himself at the door. No predator could get in and make prey of the sheep without first having to deal with the shepherd. And so Jesus is saying, it's that way with me. I am the door. By me will any man enter in. If he enters in, he has got to come by me. Isn't it interesting that this was pictured for us even in the Old Testament when those tribes surrounded the tabernacle? There was one way into that tabernacle in the wilderness and the one tribe that camped in front of it was the tribe of Judah out of which came the Lord Jesus himself on the human side, Jesus says, I am the door. But notice, he says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. The Lord says, I have an investment in you. I am interested in you. I'm interested, first of all, in your salvation. I do not want you to fall prey to Satan himself and to his lies. I am interested in your salvation. Notice also, he says, I am interested in your satisfaction. I'm interested in your having the needs of your life met. Look at verse 10. He says, the thief, that is Satan, comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. That word abundantly literally means full to overflowing. It's a picture of a, a cup or a jar filled up with water until it runs down the side. Jesus said, my purpose in coming is to save you and also to give you an abundant life, to satisfy every need of your life. So he says, I have an interest, in, I've made an investment in you. As a result of that, I have an interest in you. And then finally, he says, this characterizes my life. I have an intimacy with you. I have an intimacy with you. Even today, if you go to the countries in the Middle East where they raise sheep or other parts of the world where they raise sheep, you will discover a remarkable in intimacy between a shepherd and his sheep. They know his voice. 
they can distinguish his voice from any other voice. And notice what it says here in John 10, verses 3 through 5. Let me just pick some statements out there. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know not the voice of strangers. And so he's saying here, my sheep know my voice. I've always been interested in why it is that a man can be sitting on a porch, his old hound dog beside him, a friend will walk by and this man will say hello and that hound dog's tail will wag. Another man will walk by, maybe not a friend, maybe somebody who's given that man some trouble, some grief, and that man will say the same word, hello, and that hound dog will growl. Now, what is it? Intuitively. I mean, that old hound dog just senses the voice of his master. And that's the kind of intimate relationship, Jesus says, I enjoy with those who are genuinely my sheep. We have an intuitive sensitivity. They know my voice. And isn't it remarkable that he's not saying here that some mere man has become our shepherd. He is saying the Lord, Jehovah, the eternally existing one, the creator and sustainer of the universe is my shepherd. That is an amazing claim for anyone to make that God would concern himself so much with us that he would assign himself the role of being interested in you, making an investment in your life, enjoying intimacy with you, the creator of the universe. Can you say honestly, the Lord is my shepherd? Now, I was talking with Mike Hand earlier about an event uh, that occurred in a school he attended over at Tennessee Temple. He said some years ago, Lee Robertson, who was the founder of that school and also the president of that school for a time, had a student in his office, and the student was needing some relief in regard to his tuition. And so Dr. Robertson said, you just go down here and talk to the lady there in the accounting office and tell her that I said to, to give you some grace. Tell her that I said that, that for three months at least you could have this grace period without having to pay anything back. Well, the student went down there and he uh, told this lady that and this lady looked over her glasses, I guess, and she said, at any rate, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't make allowances like that for anyone. And he said, but Dr. Robertson, she said, well, he'd have to tell me that personally. The student went back to Dr. Robertson who promptly picked up the phone and said, and calling her name, I want you to give this young student uh, three months of grace here so that he'll not have to be burdened down with tuition during that time. Obviously, this lady either didn't believe it was Dr. Robertson or thought that he needed further approval, and she said something like this, well, you must uh, have the approval of the executive committee. But all the student heard on Dr. Robertson's, uh, Dr. Robertson's uh, side of the phone was this, I am the executive committee and you will take care of it. Now, I'm sure that that student was impressed with the fact that the president of the school had a personal interest in him so that his needs might be met. My friend, let me ask you this question. Doesn't it impress you that the creator of the universe has a personal interest in you and is concerning himself with whether your needs are being met? concerning himself with whether you are saved, concerning himself with whether you are satisfied, concerning himself with whether you are protected, concerning himself with whether you are prospered, the creator of the universe. What a statement. Think of it. The Lord is my shepherd. And so we have said that you must fully examine the shepherd's position. Secondly, I want you to do this with me this morning. Will you do this? Will you firmly establish the shepherd's possession. 
Will you firmly establish the shepherd's possession? Whose sheep are the shepherd's sheep? Who is it who can make that bold, audacious statement, the Lord is my shepherd? What kind of a person can make that statement? Is it just anyone? Well, no, it's not anyone because there are people who cannot say, the Lord is my shepherd and mean it. Now, you have got to settle this morning the question of ownership. Who owns you? Whose sheep are you? Now, you are giving yourself to something. You are expending the energies of your life in service to something or to someone, maybe some corporation, maybe some company, maybe some private enterprise, maybe some desire of your own, maybe you're working for some other individual. But let me ask you, in the ultimate, to whom do you belong? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd, and conversely, I belong to him. I am one of the Lord's sheep. You say, well, Brother Tom, I'm not sure how I can know that. I mean, I've heard you preach messages on the gospel, and, and I have, um, as best I've known how, I have always said that I believed in Jesus. I've always said that I've trusted him. I've always thought that I was one of his sheep. How can I know if I am one of his sheep? How can I firmly establish the shepherd's possession? How can I firmly settle it that I am one of his possessions, that I belong to him? He says here, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I belong to him, but conversely, he also belongs to me. All right, turn back over for a moment to John's Gospel, chapter 10. And let me give you four characteristics of the sheep. We looked at three characteristics of the shepherd. He says, I have made an investment in you. I am interested in you. I want to enjoy intimacy with you. Now look at the four characteristics of the sheep. If you are truly one of the Lord's sheep, you will be able to say the following things without any reservation, without any hesitancy whatsoever. First of all, his conversation, conversation will stir you up. His conversation will stir you up. Look at verse 3, John's Gospel, chapter 10, the first part of that verse. To him, he says, the porter opens and the sheep hear his voice. Now, I have seen this happen. You see, many times in that cave out there on a hillside where the shepherd would be keeping his sheep, if the cave were large enough, and if the caves were few enough, there might be a time when more than one shepherd would put his sheep in that cave. And so you might have three or four or more flocks of sheep in one cave. But notice what happens, he says here. There comes a time when someone who's there, the porter, he, he calls him, maybe the owner of that property who's renting that cave to keep those sheep. He said he opens the door and the sheep hear his voice. Now, here's what happens. As that shepherd stands there and begins talking with the porter, the sheep who belong to him begin to stir. They recognize his voice. Not all the sheep. The others just stay down. They don't even give a nod. They don't raise their head. They don't twitch their ears. But those sheep which belong to him, begin to stir at the sound of his voice. Now, I want to ask you this question. 
Does the Lord's conversation stir you up? Now, what do I mean by that? Does the Word of God stir you up? As you read the Scripture, do you say to yourself, why, this is the Lord. The Lord is speaking to me. Does it make you want to love the Lord more? Are you stirred up to obedience when you read the Bible? You see, there are many people who say, yeah, the Lord's my shepherd, but when they read the Word of God, their shepherd's Word, they don't recognize it. They say, I don't know. I don't get anything out of the Bible. The Bible doesn't mean anything to me. The Bible is strange. How can I understand the Bible? Well, if you are one of the Lord's sheep, his conversation will stir you up. Secondly, his call will select you. His conversation will stir you. Secondly, his call will select you. Look at verse 3 again in John's Gospel, chapter 10. The second part, he calls his own sheep by name. Now, this is when those sheep begin to stand up and come toward the shepherd. Can you say, there has been a specific point of time in my life when, however it has happened, I don't know, but I knew that the Lord was speaking to my heart and summoning me to put my trust in him. He was saying, you are one of my sheep. And I was so drawn to him that when I came, I openly professed him as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. Can you say that? That I am conscious of a time when the Lord Jesus, by his sovereign grace and mercy, came to me, drew me by speaking to my heart and saying, this is the time to put your trust in me. There'll be those here this morning who will become openly, avowedly part of the flock of the Lord because this morning in your heart you're saying there's never been a time like that. I've gone to church. I've been religious. I've gone through the rituals. I've tried to read the Bible as best I could. It has meant nothing to me. But Brother Tom, as you're preaching, it is almost as if I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart through the Scripture. Today is the day of salvation. And his conversation has stirred me, but now I hear his call. He is selecting me. This morning is the morning that I must put my trust in Jesus and openly, publicly confess him as the Savior, the Lord, the Master, the Shepherd of my life. His call will select you. Here's another thing you can say about yourself. His course will satisfy you. His course will satisfy you. Look at verse 4. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, he's not saying here that you may understand how he's dealing with you. He's not saying here that you might fully appreciate all that he's doing through the exigencies of your life right now, but you will be able to say in the end, I know that the Lord is in charge. I see God at work. Even those events which at the time I did not understand, I chafed at them. I was bitter. I was resentful. I was impatient. I wanted to give God a shove. But the truth of the matter is, looking back on that, I see God's hand in it all, and I am satisfied that God is directing my life. His conversation will stir you. His call will select you. But his course will also satisfy you. Notice one other characteristic of the sheep. His contenders will separate you. 
His contenders will separate you. Those who would fight against the Lord, those who would win your affection over, they will be people from whom you will run. Notice verse 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Let me just ask you this question. Do you find yourself consistently running from sin to the arms of the Lord, or do you find yourself running from whatever religion you have into the arms of sin and Satan himself? What stirs you up the most? What incites you the most? What is your tendency or your proclivity? What is your leaning? It is, a, is it a leaning toward the Lord? Do you find yourself saying, He is my Lord, I love Him, I want to serve Him, I want to be protected by Him? Or do you find yourself more often saying, I want to dabble in the things of the world? Because the Scripture says here that one of those who is not one of the sheep will follow the stranger, but the true sheep of the Lord will not follow the stranger, for they know not the voice of strangers. His conversation will stir you. His call will select you. His course will satisfy you. His contenders will separate you. Can you say, Brother Tom, based upon that, I am one of the Lord's sheep. In answer to your question, is the Lord really your shepherd? I can say, Brother Tom, having fully examined the position of the shepherd, I can say that now I have firmly established the possession of the shepherd. I am one of his sheep. Well, if you can say that, friend, then be aware of this. You can then freely enjoy the shepherd's promise. You can freely enjoy the shepherd's promise. What does he say? The Lord is my shepherd. What is the result of that? I shall not want. Now, friend, if you can say honestly, the Lord is my shepherd. I have met with Jesus. He is my Savior. I have transferred my trust to Him. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt I have given myself to Him. Then, friend, you are free to enjoy this promise. I shall not want. Now, very quickly, look at the comprehensive nature of this promise. He says, I shall not want. That word want means I shall not lack. And it also means this, I shall not fail. We have all these courses all over the country today, how to succeed, how to keep from failing, how to be a positive person in a negative world. My friend, the most positive, successful thing that anybody in this auditorium can do this morning is to give your heart to Jesus because when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not fail. I shall not want. I shall not suffer lack. You say, now, wait a minute. There's some areas in my life where I sure seem to be failing. My friend, you may be failing on the material side, but God is speaking to you and ministering to you on the spiritual side. Ultimately, there will even be this correlation. He will satisfy every need of your life. The comprehensive nature of this promise. Notice also the confident nature of this promise. I shall not want. There's no question about it. I don't have to, to wonder about it. If I am the Lord's sheep, I shall never go wanting. I shall never go wanting. I remember some years ago, I really bumped a stump. I was a young pastor. I bumped a stump in the ministry, the church where I was pastoring. I didn't know what to do. It was a tremendously perplexing problem to me. And so I decided, can you believe this? You could if you know how intimate our family was. I decided to call home. No one was at home but my mother. 
And we talked together for a little bit about this problem. And I, to me, it was of enormous significance. She, having gone down the road and around a few bends more than me, she put it in its proper perspective. But she asked this question, Tom, do you know the 23rd Psalm? Yes, mother. Is the Lord your shepherd? Yes, ma'am. Then don't worry. You shall not want. He's your shepherd. You shall not want. Not only is it comprehensive, but you can have confidence in this promise. You shall not want. But notice, finally, the contingency in this promise. It is contingent in its nature. It is reserved for those who can say, I know the Lord is my shepherd. I know the Lord is my shepherd. Some years ago, when I was in university, uh, we signed up. You, you bought a meal ticket for the cafeteria, and they made a big deal out of the fact that you didn't get a meal if you didn't have your meal ticket. Well, I had been in school for about four years, you know, and I had gone every, every semester. I'd eat meals in that cafeteria. Uh, the lady there at a little desk, in fact, she looked at our meal tickets and would write down the numbers or scratch them off on a little pad. She knew me. I knew her well. I had seen her for four years. Here it is, my last semester as a senior in the university. I showed up one day without my meal ticket. The truth of the matter is, Gene and I were dating at that time, and I lost my brain, not only my meal ticket. I mean, I lost everything. My, I, my, it was just, it was, you know, I, I just didn't know how to put life together at that moment. I was so in love, and I showed up without my meal ticket. But it did have my handsome smile and face, and I knew that was going to do it. It didn't work. She said, I'm sorry, you've got to have your meal ticket. I said, oh, come on, you know I've got one. I mean, you just saw it this morning. She said, I know you've got one, but you have got to have it. She said, I'm sorry, that's the rule. I said, oh, come on, four years. I, she said, I'm sorry, that's the rule. There are people waiting. Would you please step aside? I looked over her shoulder. There was all this food, and I wanted it. I said, but if you, she said, would you please step aside? You're gonna, I had to go all the way back to my room get my meal ticket before I could eat. I did not have the proper credentials. Some of you see all that God could do. Some of you see all that God could give you. Some of you see the answer to every one of your need over the shoulder of the shepherd. But he's asking this question of you this morning by his spirit through the word, are you really one of my sheep? Is the Lord really your shepherd? Not because he doesn't know, but because he wants you to go on record this morning. Is he really your shepherd? I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder how many of you this morning, and, and you can help me with this, and it would help you because it's such a wonderful testimony. How many of you could say, Brother Tom, without any question, I know the Lord is my shepherd. That's such a beautiful psalm. I know the Lord is my shepherd. Would you raise your hand? While your heads are bowed, you don't need to look around, but I'd love to see. I know the Lord is my shepherd. Thank you. Put your hand down if you will, please. Some of you raised your hands with little question mark. I could see it didn't go all the way up, just sort of. Some of you didn't even raise your hands. You're far too honest to, to lie this morning in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. You'd like to believe that he was your shepherd, but you couldn't raise your hand. You'd say, I, I don't know for certain that the Lord is my shepherd. I sure want him to be. I, I sure want to say yes to the Lord Jesus, but I really don't have that settled. 
I wonder how many of you this morning who can say the Lord is my shepherd would say, Brother Tom, I'm aware of needs in my life which only the shepherd can meet. Would you raise your hand way up high? I'm aware of needs in my life. Hold them up, if you will, please, all over. I'm aware of needs in my life which only the shepherd can meet. Some of you want to raise your hand and say, I'm aware of this need, the need of salvation. I know only the shepherd can meet that need. God bless you. Put your hand down, if you will, please. Why, in a few moments when we stand together and the choir begins singing, this altar ought to be filled with those of you who come and say, I know there's a need in my life only the shepherd can meet. Some of you will want to come and kneel here at this altar and say, Dear Jesus, this morning I came to a new awareness, a fresh understanding of our relationship, why you've made an investment. You are interested in me. You want to enjoy intimacy with me. You really do care. And Lord, I'm kneeling here before your throne, trusting you to meet that need. Well, I would encourage you to come the very moment we stand. The choir begins singing. You make your way to this altar and fall on your knees and say, Dear Lord, my shepherd, here is my need, and I'm trusting you as my shepherd to meet it. Some of you will want to come and take the hand of a counselor because here is the decision you need to make. My need is to be one of the Lord's sheep. And so I would encourage you to come this morning and take the hand of a counselor and say something this simple. I want to trust in Jesus this morning. I've never made that decision. I grew up in a church. Maybe I was, you went through everything churches go through. You know, I was confirmed and baptized and this and that and the other. But as far as saying there's been that time when I heard the voice of the Lord singling me out, calling me to trust in him, that's never occurred to me. And so this morning I am coming to say, Jesus, I want to trust you as my Savior and the Lord of my life, my shepherd. I take you as my shepherd. Give me forgiveness of sin and cleansing and eternal life. And you say, well, I can't remember all those. You just do this, dear friend. The moment we stand, you make your way to the aisle, you come take the hand of a counselor and say something this simple. I'm coming to trust in Jesus. I am coming to trust in Jesus. These counselors will visit with you briefly share with you some information that you can carry away from with you in your hand and a Jesus you can carry away from you or carry away with you in your heart and you'll be sped on your way in a matter of minutes I urge you this morning to say yes that's what I want to do I want to trust in Jesus young or old boy or girl you know there are others here this morning who would say there are other decisions we need to make some need to come and join this church others need to openly confess Christ through baptism others need to answer the call of God my friend this is your invitation the Lord is my shepherd can you say that the Lord is my shepherd and I can say it without hesitancy this morning well I urge you to settle that issue I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. The choir is going to sing the hymn of invitation. The moment we stand, I urge you, make your way to the aisle. Make your way forward this morning. Some of you who said, I've been in church all my life, but I could not say honestly that the Lord is my shepherd. But this morning, I'm going to settle that. I urge you to come. Father in heaven, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would remove any spirit of cowardice, in the spirit of indifference. And Lord, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to give a spirit of urgency and a spirit of decision and boldness and courage in these few moments. Father, I pray that many people would decide to trust in Jesus as Savior, Lord, and Shepherd this morning so that before they leave this property, they'll be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together. The choir is singing. Come quickly. Join others who are coming. That's it. God bless you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Others are coming.
I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning. Yes, sir. God bless you.